I need to tell you, I've been looking forward to this moment ever since I crashed and burned on that uh, ice skating rink three weeks ago tomorrow. In many ways, in all honesty, it seems like it's been three months. I mean, it's just like, wow. I don't know what there is about boys and men. I guess it's just, we're just this way. But you know how men love showing off their scars to each other. <laughs> oh, I got them right here, the 47 staples that they pulled out yesterday. I said to the girl, would you mind uh, keeping these for me? She said, keeping them? I said, listen, I paid for them. I want them. <laughs> so I got these 47 little metal staples that they punch into you. You know, I don't, I, I, women don't do that, do they? They say, hey, look at my scar. You ever seen this? But I want to make sure that this, this is not just a guy thing. I want this to be a God thing. There's no question in my mind that because of your therapeutic and loving intercessions, I'm, I'm able to be vertical right now, three weeks later. I got some pictures I'm going to show you. I have a story, a short story I want to relate. But I want to make sure right here at the beginning that it's clear that we have, we've gathered to praise God today. And I've gathered to thank you today for the way you have interceded. And it's made, it, it has been such, a, such an awesome blessing for my own soul. Yeah, but do I come out of me? Please. How are you going to get something spiritual out of you messing up in that Notre Dame rice? I mean, an ice rink. Here's how I plan to do it. In my humble opinion, what we're going to share is all about synchronicity. Let me put the word on the screen for you. We don't use the word a lot. I've been using it a lot since I've gotten into you and I, this baptism, the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you see that word synchronicity? Uh, I can agree that reading the word doesn't just pump your pulse, because if you go online, you get a, you'll get a definition. You see it up there on the screen. This is synchronicity, the simultaneous occurrence of events that appear significantly related but have no discernible causal connection. There's just something, that's, something strange about this. It's like Goldilocks and the three bears. Remember, they come back into the house. Somebody's been eating my porridge. Somebody sat in my... Somebody slept in my bed. The fingerprints of somebody is all over the crime scene. That's the Goldilocks factor. And that's synchronicity. And by the way, it always, synchronicity is always after the fact, because if it's before the fact, it's not synchronicity at all. It's just ipso facto, another little piece of reality that you witnessed. But it's when, it's ha when it happens afterwards that you begin to re realize somebody has his fingerprints all over what I've just gone through. That's where the difference is made. And it turns out that his fingerprints are all over this, this humble testimony. So December 2, that would be three weeks from tomorrow, was our, our pastor's family's field trip day in, Michi in uh, Michiana. So that's our pastoral staff here at Pioneer. Take all our kids, take the, take the families, go down to the India Gardens and enjoy a delectable India, Indian buffet, and then head over to the Compton Family Ice Arena on the campus of Notre Dame for two hours of family ice skating from 3 to 5 in the afternoon. So that's exactly what we did. I mean, what could be more fun? How could you have a more wonderful time? So, cutting to the chase, we're about 45 minutes into our skate. 
a bunch of us pastors and kids and spouses are on the ice, and a bunch of us pastors and kids and spouses are not on the ice. And in fact, I said to Karen as we're driving down to South Bend, I said, you know, love, you need to strap on some skates and just enjoy a little time with me out on the ice. And you know, just in an instant, she replied, she said, I am not doing that. Sure as anything, I'd fall on that ice, break my hip, and we have the whole family coming in, and that would be just awful, so I'm not going out on that ice. I'll tell you the truth. That's exactly what she said. I'll break my hip. You go, Dwight. <laughs> okay, so here's a picture of me out on the ice, kind of lollygagging around. Now, what's wrong with that? Not a real pretty form, but, you know, you're just starting out. And by the way, look in the background. You see those green, those are green plastic walkers. That's what they give the children. So what the children put on the skates, you get inside that little shield and you stand up. You will never fall. You just stand. And so I took one of them. Man, this is great. And once I got my sea legs, sea legs I said, man, I don't need this guy. This is baby stuff. I used to have ice skates as a boy growing up in Japan. And so I'm just going to be fine skating around the rink. And so that's the first picture of me lollygagging around. We actually have another picture of me uh, picking up a little bit of speed. Let's see if we can put that on. So I, 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 I decided, yeah, see, it is me. You thought it was Apollo. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. That's Dwight. That's Dwight on the ice. And we're just going around and having my... <laughs> I had some friends. We had some friends come over to visit us, and they said, no, Dwight, if you tell this story, you've got to do this with Photoshop. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thank you for the idea. It worked. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm not sure actually what happened next. <laughs> I didn't hit anybody. Nobody hit me. But the next split second I know is that I'm suddenly flat on my back, stunned. I'm staring at the ceiling of the uh, Compton Ice Arena, and I'm saying, now what? These little Notre Dame students are skating around with a red cross on them. And boy, two of those guys came skating right over. You okay, sir? You okay, sir? They reached down and touched my arm. How's your arm? Oh, I said, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Fire. Okay, well, we're going to have to get you off this ice. How's this leg? Oh, don't touch this leg. It's fire. It's just instant pain. I said, there's no way I'm getting out of here. They said, well, get some big guys. Come on. And there's a bunch of big guys. Some of the pastors came over, and they just, you know, as big guys do, just kind of pick you up and just drag you off of that ice, put you down on a bench. Uh, the Notre Dame security were the first people to arrive. They went through a series of questions. How are you? What's your name? What you doing? You know, all that. And then, of course, I have a bunch of pastors on the team and just wisecracking the whole time. <laughs> I, I don't get mad. I just get even. Anyway, so then they said, well, we'll have to call the Notre Dame Fire Department team. So the Notre Dame Fire Department team, they come, and they ask the whole thing, very professional, very kind, and they come, and they say, no, no, no. And Karen, my Karen, and Christine, Jose's uh, pediatrician wife, are both saying, he's not going home. He's not going to the car. You will call an ambulance. And I finally agreed that with this pain, there's no way I could make it. There's a long flight of stairs up to the parking lot. So anyway... Uh, they call the ambulance. And the little girl, security girl, is there. And Jose, chaplain, uh, Jose turns to her and says, listen, we have a motto in the, in the Pioneer staff, go big or go home. So, our, so would you mind getting the Notre Dame uh, fighting band, marching band to play as we put him in the, in, the, uh, in the ambulance? And she didn't miss a beat. She was cool on her feet. And she just looked back at him. She said, no, it's Sunday. They don't work on Sunday. 
So anyway, there's a picture of me going into the, uh, the, um, the ambulance there, South Bend uh, Ambulance. Luckily, it, it, this, this wonderful trauma center named South Bend Memorial Hospital is just two miles away, so that's where we headed. Great ER team met us, little uh, young ER nurse. Turns out when she was little, her aunt brought her to the Pioneer Memorial Church on the campus of Andrews University, so she'd been here. The um, doc comes walking in. He says, man, he says, we're going to have to get an x-ray, buddy. The little x-ray tech comes in. She uh, says, all right, now I need to roll you over onto this little gurney, and we'll take you down and take some pictures. Oh. Anyway, she gets me down to that little room, and it's a dark little room. And she says, I need to get this board under you. Okay, can you, can you get, get, just go? And for some reason, because of the fiery pain here, I just run a 10K that morning, and I got shin splint cramps in the, in the uh, good leg. So this leg is cramping. This leg is hot on fire, and I'm, I'm crying for Karen. Send me my wife, please. She says, no, but I got a friend in the next room over. So she gets a friend. She, they, two of them come over. They said, all right, now, it's not going to feel good. One, two, three. And then they hold you up there and snap, 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 snap. Back in the uh, ER room, the doctor comes walking in with the x-rays. He says, I got bad news, buddy. You, you have fractured both your shoulder and your hip. We'll be doing surgery first thing in the morning on the hip. And after that, we'll do surgery on the shoulder. I said, oh, great. Yep. So that's what happened. Hip surgery was on Monday morning, shoulder surgery on Wednesday morning. I got the pictures to prove it. Put them up on the screen for you. This is the, this is the uh, hip implant. You see it there? Three titanium pieces. You see that long titanium piece? They drilled the marrow out of the bone so that they could get it down into the bone. You see the fractured head of the femur. That's a big screw that goes through the top. That's a little screw to keep the titanium plate in place in the bone. Three pieces there. Two days later, they went in for the, sh the shoulder. I'll show you a picture there. There's the shoulder. The shoulder was 16 pieces, one plate and 15 screws. Let's get one more picture of the shoulder. So that's what's happening on the shoulder. So you, I mean, these guys are professionals. They know exactly what they're doing, but you add, the, you add that up. Total exclusive of tax and delivery, 19 pieces of hardware permanently in my body until Jesus comes. And Karen and I have been trying to figure out where on the ascent to heaven do these pieces disappear. I, I don't know. <laughs> they surely won't go all the way to heaven. And then, of course, yesterday, the 47 staples, which I have right here. But I'm, I'm gonna, I want to give a word of tribute because the story's over now. A word of tribute. First to the surgeon, Dr. Joel Post. He's with the ortho group, trauma group there at Memorial. He was young, I'm guessing 32, 33 years of age, extremely conversant, knowledgeable, and I'm vertical right now because of his God-given skills. Just a top-notch doc. He did both surgeries. Monday morning, back again to uh, Wednesday. Ditto to the anesthesiologist Calhoun and Graham. They came in and said, we're going to do a nerve block on the, uh, on the uh, second one. Your arm will be numb for 12 hours, but it'll help us and it'll help you. Great team. Uh, four days and four nights in a hospital is nobody's picnic. Not the patients nor the nursing staff, trust me. And on an ortho floor, but the team there was absolutely incredible. I want to show you a picture of my night nurse. Shimini is her name. She's an en uh, a nurse practitioner and a registered nurse, and she's smiling. She was that way all the way through. I'm telling you, smart, compassionate, when you hit the button, do you mind emptying this, please? I mean, you have to do stuff like that. And they do it with a smile. They first measure it, but then do it with a smile. I want to say a word of tribute to the children 
and the uh, students who sent their handcrafted cards to the hospital and to the, to the church and to the house. You don't know what those little cards did, just looking at them one after the other and your little scribbly handwriting. Ah, what a, what a blessing it is to belong to this parish for all of us. And these kids are our future. You saw them just a moment ago. They are the life of this parish. I have two little uh, friends that live down at the end of our street, Sophia and Fiorella. They're, they're worshipers here at Pioneer, and they're students. And they sent me a little Christmas artwork. I put it on the screen for you. It's a Christmas ball, and it says, Jeremiah 30, verse 17. And then the words under it, For I will restore health to you, and I will heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Now that's sitting on my desk at home. And all of you who, who sent cards, who phone calls, left messages, you, you do not understand the effect, the, the, the therapeutic, positive effect of that sort of, uh, the sort of response that you give. And you say, well, I just do this for everybody. I know you do it for everybody, but the fact that you do it at all, it's so easy to say, well, they'll, he'll, he'll find it. She'll know that we're all praying for her. But when people go out of the way to say, I'm praying for you, you'll never forget it. It just blesses your soul. Well, it isn't over yet. I need to say that. There's a grueling PT rehab program that soon kicks into gear that doctor gave the orders yesterday. But you know what? The God who got us thus far, Karen and me, the God who got us this far will get us all the way. If you'll just keep praying, and I'll do the exercises for you. I want to give one more word of tribute, and that is to my wife. There aren't many men blessed as much as I am. I not only have a beautiful wife, I have a wife who's a professional nurse. She does it for a living. And when you get to sleep with your nurse, I know just the right kind of groan that'll get her out of bed and right around the other side. <laughs> she is such a sweetheart. And I am so blessed. So, love, I thank God for you. Couldn't have made it. Couldn't have made it without her. But most of all, I want to say thank you to God. There's no question that synchronicity is all over this thing. You say, Dwight, I haven't heard one bit of synchronicity. Synchronicity, synchronicity. I haven't heard a bit. Now, let me just give you one if you want a huge one to begin with. <laughs> the force with which I landed on that ice is absolutely unbelievable. Folks, nobody touched me, and I touched nobody. Two nights ago, in the dark, I'm in bed because I can't sleep. And I'm looking at the ceiling, and God said, hey, guess what, Dwight? That wasn't an accident. That was on purpose. That was an attack. You need to understand. You're not just a little lollygagging human being making his way through life. The fact that you can go from standing up, there's nothing in between, and it's just like... And when I realized that, I said, my Lord, 
It's a promise I've marked for years in my Bible, Psalm 140, uh, Psalm 140, verse 7, and the Lord will shield my head in battle. That was this huge synchronicity. Do you understand? Not a hair on my head touched that ice. Somehow I land on that, on that ice and my head is up. My head is up. Not leaning back on the ice. It's up. We have a friend in Spokane, church school teacher when we started the ministry together out in Oregon. He said, hey, listen, we just had a story in the newspaper a few weeks ago. Accomplished skater from Canada, now living in Spokane, Washington. She went out on the new skating uh, venue. They're making these down, and Becky were over in Chicago the other day. Um, they're doing these little, you know, you just wander around the city with ice skates on. And I'm telling you what, if you're over 30, forget it. <laughs> if you're over 30, forget it. Anyway, this woman, experienced skater, went down, hit her head. They rush her to the hospital. The CT scan already has black spots on it. According to the news report, her brain was dying. She's dead in two days. She's dead in two days. She's just skating, having a good day. She hit her head. It's over. Synchronicity number one. Somebody kept my head from bouncing off off of that concrete. And I praise him. Somebody in mercy. Synchronicity number two, a top team of ortho specialists two miles away, South Bend Memorial. Man, wow. Synchronicity number three, if you could have picked one time on the calendar when you'd be able to be out of the pulpit for recovery, there was only one slot available. And God said, this would be the one you'd pick, Dwight. This would be it. This is it. Yeah, but come on, Dwight. I know how this works. Why didn't God just keep you off the ice in the first place? Well, you'll have to ask him. Because number one, God, we live in a free choice world, and I chose to enjoy some skating three weeks ago tomorrow. And I was having a great time. Number two, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Not all things are good, but He causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And number three, guess what? It's for me. Some lessons in life can only be learned through adversity. Yeah, I'm an impatient man in the very core of my being. Those who live with me or work with me know that. I don't like to sit around and wait for anybody. And now I'm forced to just wait, go slow, can't drive. And I'll tell you one other, I'll be vulnerable now. I've had a lack of empathy for those who suffer. Why don't you just suck it up? Get over it. You're okay. And now I realize you can't suck it up. And you're not okay. And the pain is there. Just live with it. So, I just thought of this this morning. I put it on the screen for you. The trials of life. This is Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. Isn't this choice? The trials of life are God's workmen to remove the impurities and roughness from our character. 
They're hewing, squaring, chiseling. That's what they do. The, you know what the nurse said to me? You know why this, this surgery is so painful for you? Because they're in there chopping on you. They, they're, they're with a hammer and a mallet, they're, they're, and they're just chopping a hole. They're sawing. They have to wear hazmat gear so they won't get in their faces. It's all over the room as these saws are just... She said, that's why you're sore. They've been pounding on you. There it is right there. They're hewing, life's trials, hewing, squaring, chiseling. They're burnishing, polishing is a painful process. It is hard to be pressed down to the grinding wheel. But the stone is brought forth, prepared to fill its place in the heavenly temple. Keep reading. Upon no useless material does the master bestow such careful, thorough work. You're going through something bad right now in your life, something that you just cannot believe is happening to you. I'm telling you what, sister. I'm telling you what, bro. This is no useless bit of material that God is dealing with. You are precious to him. And your nose is to that grindstone. And it's grinding on you to polish you. When you come out of this thing smelling like a rose, you will. Only his precious stones are polished after the similitude of a palace. So synchronicity in my testimony, absolutely. But let me close with this. There are 10 instances of divine synchronicity in the Christmas story. I'm going to fly through these because you'll see, you'll, you'll recognize them so we don't have to unpack them. The first one you will not recognize. There are 10 instances of divine synchronicity. And by the way, divine fingerprints... And you may be thinking, I wonder if this is what I'm going through right now. I wonder if divine fingerprints are all over me right now. I want you to hold that thought. Synchronicity number one from the Christmas story. No one ever comments on this. This is Luke chapter one. So I'll read it in your hearing. Luke chapter one. Picking up in verse 39, Gabriel has just appeared to Mary, verse 39, and at that time, Mary got ready and hurried. She's just learned from Gabriel that she's going to be pregnant, an implanted baby by Almighty God himself. She is, an angel, angel mentioned to Mary, you know, your cousin Elizabeth is already six months pregnant. You didn't know that, did you? There was no social media back then. Nobody knew anything. So Mary now is hurrying. There's only one person on earth that would possibly understand what she's going through, and that has to be Elizabeth. She goes flying to Elizabeth, and at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, verse 40, and when she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, the fetus, leaped in her womb, and Mary was, Elizabeth, rather, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Oh, Mary, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Do you understand what Elizabeth has just done? It's a moment of divine synchronicity. Mary has needed to hear what she has just said. Elizabeth has no clue that Mary's pregnant. There's no social, there's nothing. She walks through the door and the Holy Spirit says, the Messiah is in your cousin. She speaks because Mary, ever since Gabriel was there, has been fighting this thought. It cannot be. How could I possibly become pregnant? I know no man. She needed the synchronicity of that split-second timing to say, you're bearing my Lord, my Lord. Synchronicity number one, divine fingerprints all over it. Somebody with no causal connection, no causal connection, but somebody very much at work. Synchronicity number two, three, four, and five. These are the four dreams of Joseph. Because when Mary comes back after three months with, uh, with Elizabeth, Mary now looks like she's pregnant. 
And Joseph takes one look at her. I wondered where you were, and now I see what you've been doing. And he makes, makes up his mind, I'll do this quietly, but I'm getting rid of that girl. His mind is made up. He goes to sleep. Boom, there's a dream. Synchronicity number one for Joseph. No, 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 no. We put that baby there. That's our baby. You stay with her. Synchronicity number two in Joseph's dream. Get up, get up, get out. The king has heard about the birth. He'll kill your baby. Get away now, Egypt. Synchronicity number three in Egypt. Dream again. You can leave now. Go home. It's safe. All's clear. Synchronicity number four. Well, then I'll go to Bethlehem because I'm on the tribe of David. No, not Bethlehem. Wrong Herod. Go Nazareth. Go Galilee. Four synchronicities. And Joseph is led by the God of the universe as an average old Joe who trusted in his heavenly Father. Okay, so there's synchronicity number five. Let's go to synchronicity number six, desire of ages. The shepherd's out in the field. We relived the story a moment ago on the screen. Desire of ages through the silent hours. The shepherds kept, the shepherds keeping watch by night, talked together of the promised Savior and prayed for the coming of the King to David's throne. As Pastor Ben noted last Sabbath in our children's celebration for Christmas, why a bunch of ragtag shepherds get the, get the, the, VIP announcement, because they're the only ones watching and waiting for the coming king. And so that we'll go to whoever's synchronicity. We'll show up right there then. And they did. Ellen White in Desire of Ages describes that as the most spectacular picture ever beheld by human eyes. And a bunch of ragtag shepherds got the honor because they were watching and waiting. Synchronicities number seven and eight. Joseph and Mary and the Christ child a few days later head out to Jerusalem. As soon as they walk into the temple, a holy man, an old man named Simeon, comes racing up to them, snatches that baby. Boy, is this a baby snatcher or what? Snatches that baby out of Mary's arms. He says, I have lived for this. And he lifts that baby up. Now I can die in peace. I have seen the coming of the Lord's Messiah. Boy, did Joseph and Mary need that. Everything has gone raw and rotten for them. Nobody to welcome the king. But a holy man steps forward, synchronicity number seven. And then number eight, a little old lady named Anna comes shuffling over because she sees the four of them, Simeon and the three in the holy family. And she starts with a loud voice proclaiming, this is the promise of God. Synchronicity. No causal connection. But it is connected. That baby is the baby that's been promised. Wow. Two more. Now sit down. Synchronicities number nine and ten. Yeah, I guess I am sitting down. <laughs> Come to think of it, I can go through lunch. <laughs> All right, Matthew, Matthew. Come on, let's go to our, our, uh, our, our homily text today, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, and we'll end with these two synchronicities. Got a beautiful piece of music coming. Don't you go anywhere. I'll tell you what that music means to me in just a moment. Matthew chapter 2, let's pick it up in verse 9, and then Herod called the man. No, this is verse 9. And after they heard the king, who said, hey, listen, hey, fellas, when you find the baby, get back to me right away. I'm going to go and worship him just like you. Wink, 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 wink. They think he's serious. So after verse 9, they heard from the king 
they went on their way, the, the Magi, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where their child was. Now, read verse 10, because this is, an, this is an astounding line that's just tossed into the Christmas story until you remember synchronicity. Verse 10, and when they saw the star, they're on this nocturnal mission, this search, and when they saw the star, they were what? They were absolutely beside themselves. Do you know why? Because they have, abs- they have no assurance and proof that the star would yet appear once they arrived in Jerusalem. I mean, this is the capital of the people to whom the king is being sent. But they're crestfallen, they're heartbroken, because not a soul in that city gives a rip about any coming king. And they pick up the innuendos. They know that they're considered pagans. They read the whole sordid reality, and they're sick unto death. And they're wondering, if we go and search beyond this, will the star even return? So when the star appears in the sky where they saw it last, they are absolutely overjoyed. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. Almighty God has been leading us. Ah, divine fingerprints all over. Now here comes the last one, verse 11. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped the Christ child. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They worshiped the king with three gifts. Gold is the coinage of kings. Frankincense is the smoke of gods. You burn to the gods, frankincense. And myrrh is the aroma of death. Their three gifts are a powerful symbolism of a divine king come to earth who will die as a human, as a sacrifice for the rebel race. And we often stop it right there. But there's more. That synchronicity is actually a down payment of financial sponsorship from the father of the child. So when they flee in the middle of the night with nothing but the cloaks on their back and they get to Egypt, the largesse of those magi, the gold, the frankincense and myrrh, were advanced emergency funding for the unanticipated flight of immigrant refugees who seek help in a foreign land. Who now have the treasures of the Magi's to cash out so Joseph can set up that little carpenter shop this time in Nazareth. Wow. You see, the God of synchronicity, this God that you and I love and worship, this God of Jesus, the God of Joseph, the God of Mary, the God of you, the God of me, the God of synchronicity. I need you to catch this line. You can go home with it. He is the God who is always prepared. Always, always prepared. Flat on your back in an ice skating rink, he's already ready. Flat on your back because of the crisis that's hit your marriage, that's hit your job, that's hit your education. That's hit your finances flat on the back and absolutely convinced you can't walk away from this one. The God who is always prepared has already been prepared for you. 
He's been watching you for weeks. He's been watching you for months. He's known this was coming. He's known all about it. Some of you, he's been watching this for years. You had no clue this was coming to you. But he has been prepared for years for when this will dawn upon you and the crisis breaks and you are sure that there's no way out. There will be a nail-scarred hand that reaches to that door and opens a door that can be opened in no other way but through adversity. Because for Joseph's dream, there must first be Joseph's slavehood. And for Jesus Christ's mission, there must first be his crucifixion. The dream of Joseph, the dream of Jesus, the door held open by a God who has been waiting for you all these years. Synchronicity means he's always been faithful. He's always been faithful. Little Sarah Groves wrote a song, He's Always Been Faithful, and I've been listening to that song, wearing out my little YouTube track on my phone. He's always been faithful.